I'm sitting in the subway station. Manhattan is my destination. Traveling on that dirty train. Each day I live is much the same. And I think, what can I gain? Living in this endless game. Homeward bound. I wish I was homeward bound. Home to Yerushalayim. Home where my heart is lying. Home where my destiny waits silently for me. Okay, welcome back to Homeward Bound, the show about making Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. My name is Yigal Siegel, and I'm very happy to welcome back to our airwaves Maya Liss. Maya is the uh, one of the program coordinators for the Lone Soldier program here at Nefesh Benefesh. And uh, Maya, first of all, welcome back. Thank, Thank you for you. coming it's back to us. It's a pleasure to be back. Okay, so um, when we last spoke, Maya uh, gave us a great description of the Lone Soldier program of Nefesh Benefesh, and anyone who's interested in that program uh, can email Maya or anyone on her staff at army at nbn.org.il. You can also look at the Nefesh Benefesh website for uh, links to any questions that you might have about Army service in general. I wanted to invite Maya back. I think that there are a lot of people, Maya, in the States um, who are thinking about coming to Israel and are thinking about coming to Israel specifically because they want to serve in, in uh, the IDF. And you were one of those people. You mentioned to us the last time we spoke that you came here originally on a 10-month program. Mm -hmm. May I ask what that program was, by the way? I I came to get my master's degree in diplomacy and conflict studies. Oh, where? uh, At the IDC in Herzliya. In Herzliya, okay. And so you finished that? Yes. Okay. And then went into the army. Okay. So so basically, you had to, you mentioned to us because of your age that you had to basically petition the army to let you in. Yes. Now, that's something which you did on your own? You had help with that? or uh... So I, I just fa- kind of found a way to send my letter of begging and request to the army. And it kind of just felt like I sent it into a black hole. I didn't know if I was ever going to get answered. I didn't know if I was ever going to get a call or an interview. Or I, I had no idea. I, I knew that I had to try. So that was, my, that was the, the way that I knew how. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just so happened to get a phone call by this person who was working in the recruitment center. Um, and he said, I got your message. It was in English, too, which I was shocked about. Right. Uh, I got your message. Um, and you have an interview on this date. And I was, wow. I, and I was shocked. I had no idea. Okay. So that's a good question I want to ask you now. I think it's a good question, at least. <laughs> um, if if Maya Liss was now in the year 2013 as opposed to 2009... Mm-hmm. Um, and now there's the Lone Soldier Nefesh Benefesh program. And Maya Liss wanted to volunteer for the Army because, again, because of her age. Would Nefesh Benefesh's Lone Soldier program be the address to go to to help with Absolutely. that application? Absolutely. 100%. That's one of the biggest benefits of our program is that we help with all the bureaucratic assistance, with all, all the bureaucratic needs that Lone Soldiers have. Um, if you're interested in, in any knowledge or if you have a letter that you need to send to the Army or any sort of request we have a contact person for that in the army. So Nefesh Benefesh is the address. The Lone Soldier Program is the address for any Lone Soldier that has any questions to 
to direct to the army because we can track those we can track those requests mm-hmm. and we can return the information back to the, the soldier. That's great. So right away we see the benefit of you now working on the other side of the desk. Oh yeah, that you can help people like you were a few years ago to to realize your dream. Absolutely. Okay, that's great. Okay, so you came so you came for that program. You so you got into the army. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you do your basic training? I did my basic training in a base called Nitzanim. Okay. Where is um, that exactly for our listeners? It's uh, close to Ashkelon. Okay. A lot of people go to Nitzanim, right? Yeah. It's it's uh, a lot of women. Right. Um, and, and a lot of people who aren't serving in combat okay. positions mm-hmm. go to basic training there. I had my basic training during Pesach, which was oh. a very interesting uh, experience. You know, some people kind of give me the, oh, that's kind of a, a shame that you did that. But, you know, I... I I felt it very appropriate to be in basic training during that time. I felt it was, you know, Passover is about our freedom and and our our and getting being released from slavery. And I felt how much of an honor is it for me to be serving in in my first month right, the of birth the of army. our nation, right? Yeah. So now you're serving the nation. Yeah, nice. I just, it felt so appropriate, and I I'm glad I was able to see that when I was That's there. That's cool. That's cool. So how long were you in basic training? It was about a month. Okay. Um, I learned any every single soldier that goes into the army has basic training. They right. they learn basic first aid. They learn first responder. They learn communication in the army. Um, they learn gun skills. Right. Um, they learn all the the rules of uh, the steps that you need to take uh, for any certain search situation. Right. Um, which is like the spirit of the army, which is one of the basic. The foundation of the army that every single soldier is about, the morality, the values, and, and, and being a personal example, um, all those things are things that you learn in the army. Okay, so that was a month. And then you mentioned us last time that you um, you end, ended up having a unique position in the army where you started helping, where you actually were doing your job that you're doing now, but you were doing it for the army at that time. You started helping other lone soldiers that were... Um, that were coming into the army or in the army already. Correct. So the person who had answered my my letter that I sent to the email who called me up and said, you have an interview in English. Right. Um, he was working on a project to help Olim through the draft process. Right. And I actually had signed a deal, basically, that I would come serve with him and help create the subsector uh, to assist lone soldiers and olim through the draft process. Okay, so just taking a step back before we get more into that, is this is this um, was this a unique thing? In other words, at the end of your basic training, do you have any say in how what direction you want to take? Especially, I mean, in your case where you were not um, you're not part of the compulsory draft, you decided to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Do you have more of a say in terms of the direction you want to go? Let's say you wanted to be. Um, you wanted to be in a certain, uh, let's say you were a social worker. You wanted to work in a, I don't know, in a hospital or, 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 or schools. I know that there are people in the army who have that type of sherut, that have that type of service. Um, is that something you can choose on your own? So when you're a volunteer, you have a little bit more of leverage because you don't have a mandatory service. Um, you can request to serve in a specific position. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that the army is going to give it to you. And if, if you're concerned that you only want to do this one thing in the army, and if you're not going to get it, then then you may not be interested in serving altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is the army when you f- 
when you first do the start the army process, you do what's called your tzavushon. It's your first exams in the army. It's before you draft. Right. And it's a way for the army to have a better understanding of who you are. It's a Hebrew exam, which everybody does, including Sabalim, natural-born Israelis. They also do a Hebrew exam. Uh, it, it's a personal interview. It's an IQ exam. It's a physical exam. And they take all these elements and they, they have a better understanding of what you'll be suitable for in the army. So additionally, combat or non-combat, that's the the, burst, the, the first step. Okay. And how much of a percentage would you put it from between 1 and 100 that that battery of tests has um, in terms of making the final decision about where you end up? Well, the army, the army will take a look at those things as, as the, ba- the basis, the foundation. Okay. We see that he has this level of Hebrew. Uh, so f- does he need the Hebrew course? The uh-huh. Army offers a Hebrew course for anybody who has a low level of Hebrew. Right. Um, so if you do have a low level of Hebrew, the Army won't place you in any position until you finish the Hebrew course. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in that situation, you definitely wouldn't know where you're serving the Army until you complete the course. I see. So, so if you come if you come to Israel as a lone soldier, or you come to Israel with your family, whatever it is, and you have this desire, you want to be. Uh, a tzanchan, uh, someone who's in the parachute uh, brigade, or you want to, do you have certain desires that you, you know, it, it, how much does your input, um, and again, forget volunteer, not volunteer, but just in general, how much does your input affect the final decision about where you go? Mm-hmm. So we see, usually when we get this type of question, I, I would answer it that there's three things that are taken into consideration. What your skills are, which are which are reflected by the results of your tzavlu shown, your first exams what your desires are, and what is available for you in mm-hmm. the Army. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, those, and it depends on when you're, you'll be drafting, and, and a lot of things are taken in, into consideration. But the Salvation, the first exams, those results are, are basically the foundation of what the decisions will be. Mm-hmm. So in your case, after you uh, finished basic training, and after, so how long afterwards were you put into this position where you were helping other people? The next day. So the you, next day, I so started my job. So basically, before you started your army service, you knew already from this guy who uh, who we know who works here, by the way. Yeah. Benji Davis. Correct. So from Benji, you knew already from your interaction with him, you knew already this is the path you were taking. Yeah. In my in my situation, I, I signed into the army um, under the understanding that I would go into this position. Mm-hmm. And that can happen. Okay. Now, let's say someone who is not a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Let's say you weren't a volunteer. Let's say you were 18 when you came. And let's say, you know, someone like Benji, whoever was, wanted you to do this. Would they have the power of being able to steer you in that direction? It was because you were a volunteer they had the, the, the ability to do that. So it, a lot of it has to do with um, manpower um, in, in the Army. Each unit is granted a certain, um, certain budget, which allows them then to have a certain amount of soldiers. Um, and so it really depends on what the budget is per soldier and how many people can be designated for that position. Um, it it really it it just depends. Uh, another ole who is interested in that position can make a request to the army, and if there's an availability and if there is the budget for it, then they can be placed. Okay, where did you do, where did you do the, your service in terms of? Uh, My where? service was in the recruitment center in Tel Shamel. Okay, it's in Tel Aviv, which is uh, for our listeners, that's one of the main recruitment centers I think in the in the in the country, Correct. right? Thousands of soldiers go through there every year. Every all the time, hundreds are there every day. Now I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they're building a new uh, center. Am I right? 
There's a new center that's being built that's going to handle more soldiers, or that I'm, I'm there's wrong about that. There's a lot of talk about it. I know that in the south they're talking about right. creating a new base uh, to help with a lot of the the technologies that are in the army. Right. And I know that Beersheba is kind of the south is going to be the destination for those. Right. That's the, what we heard also. Okay, so you were in Tel Shomer, mm-hmm. and so when you when you serve as someone like that, and you're not in combat, you're not in the field. Um, you have the same requirements in terms of uh, uniform, in terms of everything else that uh, any other soldier would have. Absolutely. And did were you did you sleep on a base? I mean, you slept on the Telshamer. You had your own place. The or? only time I slept there when I it was when I had guard duty. Okay. Um, but I went home every day. I went home every day. Oh, so that and that is that better than what other people have? Or it, it really depends what you're it really in? depends on where you are in what stage in your life. Um, for me, it, it was kind of a necessity. I came to Israel and I made Aliyah with Nefesh Benefesh. I didn't really know if I w- the army was going to take me. So I kind of had to set up plan B. If the army wasn't going to take me, I still had to have a place to live. Right. I still had to have you know, a place I called home, potentially a job. So I, I, I was going through those but stages. Any soldier, any lone soldier has that. And there's any the, From the lone soldiers I've met, they all have the, an apartment, either with a few other guys, or it is that even if they're not there for weeks at a time, but it's a place that they have. You know, Absolutely. To hang Every their hat. soldier needs a place to call home. Right. But for me, I didn't know if I was even going to have a, a place in the army. Right. So I, I had to have plan B as backup anyway. So I had already rented an apartment. I already signed my name on the contract. I already had set up an infrastructure for me to to live life as a civilian. Um, and I mean, thankfully, I was able to draft into the army. It was one of the most meaningful experiences of my life. Uh, but I, I still had the ability. For me, it was... It was a good place for me to be serving in Tel Shemel and to be going back home every day. Well, let's take a step back in terms of you. Obviously, when you came, so uh, you wanted to be in Israel. You volunteered for the army, which is unique mm-hmm. because if you know if you have a chance not to go, you know you can take that chance not to go. So that's also something which is different. If someone is uh, again a young a youngster in the states who uh, hopefully is listening to the show and their parents. Are listening. I'm asking you more as a parent, I guess. We're still with your situation. Your parents were supportive of this. Uh... My parents, they they trusted me. Okay. Um, they were kind of confused because I had just finished my 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 master's degree, right. um, and they kind of they they were gently, you know, suggesting maybe you should go into your career next, and maybe that's something that. You, but I think um, I, I'm blessed with parents that are very supportive uh, and understanding that. This was something that they knew. It was something I had to try and do. Okay, so that's uh, that's what I think. That's where I'm coming from. Uh, as a parent myself, if I was sitting in the United States now, and my child would come to me at the age of eighteen, nineteen, and say, you know, I want to make Aliyah, and if I make Aliyah, you know, I have to go to the army. So I would want my child, even though you know I want to support my kid, and if they really want to do something and they are sincere about it, I feel like it's important to support them. But I do want them to have some wiggle room, let's call it. And I think if it was a situation where you know they were volunteering, and as you put it, maybe there's because you were volunteering, you yourself were volunteering, you had more of an ability to kind of pick and choose where you wanted to head. But if you're 18, 19, you're not volunteering in essence. If you make Aliyah, you have to go to the army. Mm-hmm. So the question there is, as a parent, um, how much wiggle room is there? And it's, let's say my kid ends up, you know, despite the tests and the tests showing that, you know, my kid is great and is going to make it and everything like that, he or she has a has a problem, you know, a specific problem. You know, I'm sure physical problems are dealt with as, as case by case. But I'm talking about 
just emotionally, they they don't want to sleep in a base after being there for for a couple of months. It's too hard for them. They'd rather have you know a nicer mattress or you know I'm not God forbid saying that the mattresses and towel are bad. <laughs> Please don't put that on the air. I, I I'm my question, my long winded question is how much wiggle room is there for a lone soldier coming from outside Israel, who is now having compulsory duty, um, in terms of. You know, if after a couple of months, if you have cases where people come to you and say, oh, my gosh, I, I didn't realize this was going to be this way. Mm-hmm. Can I do something else? Or can I? Well, I, first of all, I just want to clarify the difference between compulsory and voluntary okay. and, and volunteer service. Um, somebody who's, quote unquote, a volunteer in the army is still the moment they're in the army. They're 100 percent just like any other soldier. Oh, OK. OK. Uh, volunteer is just. Is, is just a way of saying that they didn't have a mandatory right. service. The, so that, once you're in the Army, you're in the Army. Correct, okay. 100%. I appreciate that. So. Now, in terms of what happens when you're in the Army and you have issues, okay, there's a few things. First of all, I, being as somebody that has been working with the Army for many years, I, I see the Army really has set up a system to allow for people to succeed. Now, if there's, if there's serious issues, a soldier can request to see a psychologist. Every soldier has a social worker to be by their side. Um, there's also the Lone Soldier Program. We're here to help know, allow the soldiers to know what their resources are. We're here to help them problem solve. Um, and in times of need, crisis management, we're here to help and to work directly with the Army to see how we can solve this problem and, and, and meet the needs of every single soldier that goes to the system. Um, I, I really believe that the Army will find a solution for every single soldier that's Truly challenged. I really believe it. Okay. That's good to hear. I mean, I, I think it's very important to hear, especially if I was a parent sitting in America now listening to this show, mm-hmm. I think that uh, you would have calmed my fears a lot in terms of, you know, obviously, I'm sure there, there are people in Israel or there are Israeli citizens from birth who are um, going into the army and have to deal with, you know, something that happens or something that, you know, it's good to know there's a system in place. Uh, to to be there for soldiers in case there's something that comes up, and especially for lone soldiers. And besides the fact that, um, as you've mentioned to us in the past, that uh, you're in touch with uh, you and your staff are in touch with the lone soldiers on an ongoing basis. So I'm sure that these problems come up all the time that you have to deal with also. We we have problems all the time. And that's that's what we're here for. We're here to to help address them and and problem solve together with the soldier. Let's figure out what is the best thing for that soldier at that time. And the, and the Army, up until now, has been extremely helpful with every step of the way. It's not always easy to navigate, and that, that's where a lot of the challenges come up, is is not always knowing what your resources are, not always knowing what the rules are. And, and we're here to help. We're here to work together with the Army to find the best solution. Okay. Maya Liss, thank you very much. Thank you for having this me. This has been very illuminating. And I hope it has been illuminating for our listeners. I'm sure it has been. And again, um, anyone in North America who is interested in making Aliyah and is of an age that they want to either uh, volunteer for the army or they know that they're going to have to go to the army um, and they're not coming with their parents, they're called a lone soldier in the army. And the lone soldier program in Nefesh Benefesh is extremely active. And Maya is part of that. And if you want to get in touch with them, um, you email army, A-R-M-Y, at nbn.org.il, or you go to the website at www.nbn.org.il and click on the Army Service button. Yeah, there's a tab that <laughs> says Serving the IDF. You click on that. Okay, and you can get in touch with Maya or anyone else uh, who works with her and her staff, 
and they'll be glad to help you with any questions that you might have. Maya, this has been very, very interesting. Thank you for sharing your personal story with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate that, and I hope we could get a chance to speak to you soon. I do too. Okay, thanks a lot. This is Egal Siegel for Homer Bound, and we'll be right back after this message. If you've always dreamt of moving to Israel and establishing a brand new life in the Holy Land, it's time to call Nefesh Benefesh, 866-4-ALIYAH, 866-4-ALIYAH, or log on now to their comprehensive website for all the assistance you need to get to Israel, nbn.org.il. That's the Nefesh Benefesh website. Head there now, nbn.org.il. All right, we're back now with Avi Silverman. Avi Silverman is the Community and Education Advisor for the Pre-Aliyah Department of Nefesh Benefesh here at the Givacho offices of Nefesh Benefesh. Avi, welcome back. There you go. Okay, so what we're going to do with Avi is, you remember, we uh, we dedicated a couple of shows to speaking to Avi about general communities in Israel, areas of Israel, which we're going to now deal with in more detail. Uh, the first one we want to deal with is Beit Shemesh itself. Not Ramat Beit Shemesh, but Beit Shemesh. And Beit Shemesh as many of you know, is a very popular landing site for Olim from North America and has been for many years. Um, Avi, uh, Beit Shemesh, I think we'll, once we discuss this, that Beit Shemesh, uh, basically in the 90s, it started exploding, I believe. Correct. Uh, actually, with the Scheinfeld neighborhood. Uh, that was really the, the landmark for Anglos to come to the area and has been ever since and growing. Uh, Scheinfeld isn't the only neighborhood, though, within Beit Shemesh. Uh, other popular areas that have sizable Anglo, Anglo populations are Nofe Aviv, Givat Savion, and Migdal Hamayim. And I'm going to also talk a little bit about some other possibilities for people who are looking to make Aliyah to that area. Um, Scheinfeld has three main synagogues that um, most of the old them go to. And one of the nice things about the neighborhood is that even though you're a member in one of the shuls, you feel very comfortable going to the other two because of the closeness of the community the neighbors themselves really are, are able to go and go from one shul to the other and feel like they have some sort of a relationship with the Rav of that shul and also with the Balabatim. So that's really one of the nice characteristics of Scheinfeld and I think of Beit Shemesh in general. Um, one of the areas uh, that make Scheinfeld distinct um, is in terms of the, the, the strength of that community. The Chesed community has actually won national awards uh, in, oh, in wow. Israel. So the Givat Sharet Chesed Committee is uh, one, of the, one of the pillars of, uh, of Givat Sharet and of Scheinfeld neighborhood. But there's also an Ophea Aviv, and Ophea Aviv has the Feigenschen Shul, that's Rabbi Shangalevsky, and that's also a very active show, a lot of activities that come in. For example, Rabbi Sachs, Lord Sachs, uh, just spoke there recently. Um, and that also is a neighborhood that Olim have found comfort. One of the differences between the two uh, would be in housing. In Scheinfeld, you have you know both apartments and semi-detached homes. In Scheinfeld, all the housing is semi-detached. It tends to be much more of a Datilumi, Torni type of neighborhood, whereas Scheinfeld has a little bit more of a spectrum of the type of, of people who are living there. There's another neighborhood within Givat Sharet, which is the greater neighborhood, and that neighborhood neighborhood is called Givat Savion. Givat Savion uh, started also in the later 90s, and there was actually a developer who brought in Anglos and sold them property on one basic street. But the Anglos have expanded from that street, and now they also have an English-speaking shul within Givat Savion. Uh, it sits on something called Kikar Emet, 
the Aleph is for Amerikaim, the Mem is for Marakayim, and the Taf is for um, Temani. Temani. Exactly. <laughs> and the three shoals all converge on one common area. So that that is an interesting area. For those who are looking for either private homes in their custom design homes or for bigger properties, so Givat Savion is a nice option. Um, it's also a place where you'd want to be more integrated in general within uh, the Beit Shemesh community. So there you mean are Beit Shemesh uh, Israeli community? Israeli community, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, the fourth neighborhood would be Migdal Hamayim. That also started in the 90s. Uh, most of the Olim who actually came, came to the Migdal Hamayim area. When Scheinfeld homes were finished, then they ended up moving into their homes within the Scheinfeld area. And so a pocket of Anglos remained in Migdal Hamayim. And that still is, is a nice option today. <coughs> it is more of a, of a Datilomi type of community mixed with a strong secular Russian and traditional Russian community. So again, if you're looking for something that's a little bit more mixed, then Migdal Hamayim might be an option. I like re- recommending Migdal Hamayim <coughs> because of the housing, which tends to be a little bit more affordable. And for those who are more comfortable with Hebrew and more familiar with general Israeli society, Migdal Hamayim is a nice option. There's another neighborhood that has been developing over the past four and five years, and that's Rabbi Rosner's community called Ramat Nirya. That is going to be a lot of apartment buildings. Those are mostly all completed and also semi-detached homes. Rabbi Rosner will be rabbi of that community. So you have a lot of options. Within. He's already. Li- I'm sorry. He's already living there, isn't he? Correct. Okay. Uh, and his shul already functions. They're in the process of building his shul. So, but he will become the official rabbi of that community. Right. So that those are very nice options. And one of the nice things about being in Beit Shemesh is that you can walk from one of those neighborhoods to the other. Meaning if you're Ramat Nirya, you could go for Shabbat to Givat Savion. You can go to Migdal Maim. You can go to Feaviv, Scheinfeld. Again, they all are, are able to be... Within uh, how much time are we talking about in terms of 10, walking? 10, maybe 15-minute walk. Really? All of, these, all of these neighborhoods? Great. Yeah. Migdal Maim is about 15 minutes away. The others are as close as five minutes away. Wow. So if you feel that you want to expand and go a little beyond the Scheinfeld neighborhood, which right. was the core, you're able to do that. Uh, an interesting thing I also want to point out to your listeners is that another community called uh, Ramat Sapir, Neve Sapir. Neve Sapir is also known as Rehov Barilan because that is the main street that goes through Neve Sapir. Okay. Traditionally, that was a secular Russian community. Uh, that population is starting to move out, and in its stead, we're finding that there are Haredi young couples moving in. There is an area right next to Scheinfeld called Nachalat Manucha, and the Nachalat Manucha children, meaning that next generation, need housing. And so they're starting to purchase in Neve Sapir, and as well, the children of the original Scheinfeld families who are now getting married and having kids and want to be in, in the same neighborhood are starting to purchase there. So for those who are looking for something a little bit more affordable, a little bit different, I would suggest that. Um, in terms of the schools in Beit Shemesh, I think right. that's one of the reasons why a lot of Olim continue to come. Uh, we, in general, Nefesh Benefesh, between Ramat Beit Shemesh and Beit Shemesh, bring approximately 130 school-aged children every year into wow. in, in in the municipality. That's it's a lot. It's almost a school. It's almost a school <laughs> right, every year. Yeah. So they're very familiar with the needs of the Anglo population. They are one of the first uh, communities in the country to expand their OPAN offerings and to have full-time OPAN programs offering 16 hours a week 
to the students. So they're very organized. They have a uh, ALIA coordinator who is hired by the municipality to work with the English speakers who are moving into the area to have programs, the old pun after school programs. It's a very well developed and um, well funded program for the Olim who move in there. So for those who are Olim who feel like they want um, to be embraced when they land and to have a strong English community, Beit Shemesh offers that. So you have the housing, the schooling, and now you also are seeing an expansion um, in terms of services. Uh, recently, within the past year, they built an indoor mall, meaning they had outdoor malls, what we call in America strip malls. Right. But now, Big, which was the big mall, uh, was an outdoor mall. They now have Big Fashion, which is an indoor mall with a proper food court and upscale uh, type of stores that Anglos would be used to buying at. Um, and that makes a difference. It makes a difference for any town when they get uh, their large mall. Yeah, everyone wants to go to the mall. <laughs> uh, about two months ago, they opened bowling. So there's a bowling alley. Oh, my goodness. Now it's Beit a Shemesh. city. <laughs> now we have a bowling alley in Beit Shemesh. Uh, it's going to be great for the camps that are there. And they have a lot of uh, restaurants. Um, in fact, there have been articles written on the proliferation of restaurants in Beit Shemesh. Uh, there are probably about 20-some new restaurants that opened up in the past three years within the Beit Shemesh area. Wow. So you have a lot of choices in terms of takeout, chalavi, basari, melchik fleishich, catering halls that have opened up. So you see that the city is really starting to take a different approach to itself as a city. Right. <laughs> Excuse me, and become a little bit more established. So, for those who are looking to to move to Beit Shemesh, the proximity to Tel Aviv and Yerushalayim is really what initially made it such an ideal choice. The train system has only increased the number of uh, scheduled rides that it has per day. Right. Um, the buses have increased the number of um, of rides that they offer per day, and then you also have private cabs that are group cabs. You know, ten people in a cab, like a Sherut type of thing. Exactly, and those have been functioning and continue to function. I know from Yerushalayim, it's a very effective one. The uh the Shea route from Yerushalayim to Beit Shemesh. Correct. And it's constantly going. I mean, you see that uh, obviously Beit Shemesh has become a center as opposed to just a, you know, a side road. And uh, we talked about uh, at one point, we talked about how uh, Highway 38, which is the road that leads from Highway 1, the main highway to Beit Shemesh is being expanded to a four-lane highway, which is going to make a big difference in terms of people who now have to sit in traffic when they get home. Right. So once that's completed, that'll certainly make a big difference. They already opened a new road last year that you don't have to go into Beit Shemesh if you're going from Route 38 into Ramatmesh. There's a turnoff, and that cuts out about 10 minutes for those who live in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Okay. So we see the developments. Okay, great. Okay, with, we're, we're here with Avi Silverman. Uh, Avi, again, the Community and Education Advisor in Nefesh Benefesh. His email is, Avi? A Silverman at nbn.org.il. Okay, anyone has any questions about Beit Shemesh in any community, Obviously, has Avi Silverman as a tremendous resource, and we are lucky to have him here at Homeward Bound. And uh, Avi, thank you so much. We will be back with Avi uh, on a different date, speaking about other communities in Israel in more detail. And we will be back here with Homeward Bound right after this message. If you've always dreamt of moving to Israel and establishing a brand new life in the Holy Land, it's time to call Nefesh Benefesh, 866-4-ALIYAH, 4 a-L-I-Y-A-H, or log on now to their comprehensive website for all the assistance you need to get to Israel, nbn.org.il. That's the Nefesh Benefesh website. Head there now, nbn.org.il. 
Well, that wraps up another great edition of Homeward Bound here in the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Egal Siegel. I want to thank everyone for listening, and I also want to thank Maya Liss from the Lone Soldier Program of Nefesh Benefesh, who gave us a very, very uh, detailed description of her army service and, and in general, what uh, Olim can look forward to when they want to come and serve in the IDF. Also, I want to thank our good friend Avi Silverman for his detailed description of what's happening in Beit Shemesh, what's available for people, and of course, if you want to be in touch with Avi for any information about any community, he's available at asilverman at nbn.org.il. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next week here at Homeward Bound. Every day is an endless stream of disappointment, broken dreams. And each day looks the same to me, assembly lines and factories. And every stranger's face I see reminds me that I long to be homeward bound. I wish I was homeward bound. Sad songs again Lament this world of pretend But all my words come back to me This life of mediocrity Like emptiness in harmony I need Hashem to comfort me Homeward bound I wish I was Homeward bound Silently for me.